Well, hey everyone in YouTube land, uh, fantastic to have you uh, with us today. If you are listening to this afterwards, thank you for coming and stopping by. Uh, my name is Lisa Tamati and I'm the host of the Pushing the Limits podcast. I'd love you to check that out if you haven't already. Um, you can go to lisatamati.com to see all the goodness there. But today it's all about a live stream that I'm doing with my friend Richard Smith. Uh, Richard, welcome to the show. Fantastic to have you. Thank you very much. Great to be back. <laughs> Today we're talking why calorie counting isn't the whole story. You know, we've been sold this sort of myth, if you like. Well, it's not a myth. There's, there's truth to the calorie counting uh, story, but it, it is a very overly simplified and doesn't lead always to the weight loss that you think it would. Richard, you are a keto expert. You've been on my show. You uh, are the founder of Keto Pro. You're a bodybuilding champion. But it wasn't always like that. Do you want to give the people a little bit of a background of, of, of your story? Yes, for sure. I'll um I'll be sure to keep this one a little bit shorter than usual. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I tend to get carried away, <laughs> as you know. Um, so yeah, I used to be type two diabetic. I was clinically obese. Um, I suffered with daily debilitating migraines that would make me blind, chronic fatigue, depression, anxiety. Um, in my mid to late 20s, I could barely walk up the stairs without stopping and being severely out of breath. Um, as many of us do, I put this down to a fact of life, getting older. Um, not that mid-20s is old by any means, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I put it down as a fact of life. I never once thought that it was to do with the food and the lifestyle that I was living. Um, I went through spells as we all do, of eating unhealthy, but I tried also to eat healthy. Uh, I was eating my whole grains, um, I was consuming my seed oils, uh, and when I followed government guidelines uh, for healthy eating, the, the eat well plate and the food pyramid, I seemed to gain further weight. Um, yeah. So there's something, yeah, so there's something that wasn't quite right there, you know. Um, a super, super long story short, uh, I stumbled upon uh, a lifestyle, a lifestyle that changed my life completely. Uh, it, I managed to lose 107 pound of fat. Uh, I went from a body fat percentage of close to 60 down to, to single figures. Um, so 107 pound fat loss, I reversed my diabetes. Um, I was dependent on medication for migraines, which I would take daily. And I was now medication free. Chronic fatigue had gone. I was now full of energy, um, depression and anxiety. I think these are things that if you suffer with them, you know, you can never get rid of them completely. But I was man, I, I, you know, I was able to, to squash them down and almost chuck them behind me and just carry on with life and do things that normal people would deem to be um, normality. But for me, were, you know, the thought of leaving my house uh, and going into public, it wouldn't happen. I wouldn't go to public places by myself. But now, you know, I'm on shows like this with you. Um, <laughs> Uh, I do public speaking events. I, I, I give talks to the medical community. We give talks to you know to doctors and nurses. Um, I speak to professional athletes. I work with uh, people with dementia, Alzheimer's, diabetes, cancer, advanced PKD. Um, so all sorts of things. Um, so yeah, in a nutshell, that's um, that's me. Yeah. So it uh, I, I've been there. I've lived it. Uh, I've managed to turn my life around through diet and lifestyle. Um, and I've done it by going, literally going against the grain, going against uh, what we are told, you know, to, uh, and 
deemed to be a healthy lifestyle. Um, and now I'm thriving. So life changing. Yeah. And you've become a British bodybuilding champion as well. And yeah. um, I think we're going to get into a few a few of your slides today too, just to share. So <clears throat> we've both had uh, sort of, you know, these sort of backstories of, of, of following the, the diet guidelines, which are completely wrong. Um, at the core of this is probably, you know, if, if we people don't have to go the hardcore keto lifestyle, you know, which obviously you're into um, and you've done it pretty hardcore. Um, but it's about cutting out the crap first, you know, like it's going for the low hanging fruit first. And this is the, the, the industrial seed oils, the processed food and the very high carbohydrate sort of foods. Um, maybe we start there with the simple, the simple stuff. Brilliant. Yeah. So when I speak, my lifestyle now was probably deemed to be extreme um, to a lot of people. For me, it's become normality. Um, but I don't push that upon clients and customers. When a client, a customer comes in to see me um, for a consultation, as you say, I think you hit the nail exactly on the head. We'll go for the low hanging fruit. Uh, and there are there are five things in 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 my book that we are told by um, uh, the establishment um, to be healthy, and these are five things that are detrimental to our health. But changing just two of these can have a massive impact. And and the two we change are the grains and the seed oils. So if we can restrict or completely remove grains and vegetable and seed oils, we are going to be a lot fitter and healthier. These foods, which we are told are imperative you know, for health, are actually detrimental to our health. Um, the five, if you're interested altogether, yeah. five big things. So we're told as a society to avoid you know, saturated fat and cholesterol. We're told to avoid sodium. Um, we're told to uh, you know, avoid red meat. And we're told to eat our whole grains and consume our seed oils. Now, those five things are detrimental to your health. And since we have followed those guidelines over the last 50 to 70 years, um, I mean, as, as a society, I was having a conversation earlier today with uh, another client, um, and we were debating sort of how many people in modern society actually train and hit the gym. Now, back sort of 40, 50 years ago, you know, you were, um, uh, you know, one in a million, you, you know, you were a rarity. Yeah went to the gym gym wasn't a standard thing now, everybody you speak to trains and works out in the gym they go running yet as as a society uh we are the most unhealthy and the sickest we have ever been so mm. it's really not just to do with moving which is, is very important but there's obviously a lot of other contributing factors there um and those are the five things that i believe to be the biggest contributing factors it's really gold rich um if we talk to a little bit about insulin resistance, because I've been studying insulin resistance, Dr. Ben Bittmingen, who I hope to get on the show shortly, absolute brilliant, and I know you're a fan of his as well, a professor uh, who uh, studies insulin resistance. Now, people might not even know what insulin resistance is. A lot of people are aware of type 2 diabetes and, and what it's having too high blood sugars, but actually this, ha this happens way, way earlier that people get insulin resistance. Can yes. you explain a little bit what insulin resistance yes. is? Do you know what? I I have a slide on my computer here if you'd like yeah. me to share it with you. Go for it. Um, let's have a look. Yeah. So if um this is from um 
one of the presentations that I give to, to, to everybody, as well as sort of the medical community, uh, people in the general public. Mm-hmm. So along, along the bottom there, um, this is glucose. Uh, so if we go to the doctor to check to see if we have diabetes, this is what they are measuring. They're measuring our glucose. Uh, now, the overconsumption of carbohydrates, and I, I'm not anti-carb by any means. I'm keto, but people think that being keto, you're against carbs. I'm not against carbs. I'm not anti-carb. I just think that um, we need to have a better understanding of the impact the carbohydrates or excess carbohydrates can have on the body. Um and as a society, we don't have a good grasp of this, you know. Um, as we consume carbohydrates, the body uh, or the pancreas releases insulin to drive glucose into cells to use for energy. So the pancreas uh, in this chart now, is that regulating the amount of insulin that, that's being released? Now, so when your doctor is checking the glucose level here, everything seems normal. All the mm-hmm. way here, it seems normal. But in the background, insulin is being increased. So the pancreas is working overtime to increase more insulin to keep glucose in check until it gets to this point where the pancreas can no longer produce any more insulin at such a high capacity. And then it's at that point that glucose is elevated and now we are diagnosed with, with diabetes. Except this, you know, th- this insulin resistance began 10 to 15 years prior. So wow. point we are diagnosed with, with diabetes this, this began 10 to 15 years before. So there's a way, there's an easy way to check to see if you are insulin resistant. Uh, and this is uh, the central adiposity. So if you have a muffin top or an overhang over your trousers, your skirt or your belt, um, there is a good chance that you are insulin resistant. And as a society, 95 plus percent of us are you know, on that scale of insulin resistance. Um, so it's, it's important to be mindful of, you know, of the impact of these excess carbohydrates. You may not have diabetes. It doesn't mean you're not insulin resistant. Okay. And what does insulin resistance do in the body? Is This is the thing over time we get uh, the cells of our body become less and less responsive to the insulin that is being produced. So the body's producing more and more of it. The insulin's job is to actually get the glucose into the cells so that you can actually produce energy and, and uh, you know, for life. Um, when you get insulin resistance, your cell can't get the glucose actually into the cell, and that glucose is then running around the body doing damaging things, making uh, advanced glycation end products, uh, which is, is basically like caramelizing your insides, and this is where the whole you know, uh, inflammation, cardiovascular diseases, things can can kick in. Um, it's also things like Alzheimer's, like your ability to uptake uh, glucose into the brain, which uses massive amounts of glucose. Yeah. Can you so, comment to that? Yeah, so the, the brain can literally be swimming in a sea of glucose. Uh, if those cells cannot uptake that insulin, then there's no energy getting to that cell. And this is why sort of um, uh, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and things become an issue. Um, there's other contributing factors. Um, also, uh, grains in particular, um, a, a lectin called wheat germaglutinin has been shown to travel up the vagus nerve and cause uh, issues within the brain, which leads to things like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's as, as well. Um, uh, as you say, you know, advanced glycated end products, um, uh, glycation of cells in general. So glycation, which is caused to the overconsumption of carbohydrates, leads to, it's one of the two main contributing factors to cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. So LDL particles will become glycated and oxidized. Um, glycated is caused to the overconsumption of carbohydrates and oxidation through the overconsumption of seed oils. 
So the two main contributing factors to cardiovascular disease is excess carbohydrates and excess uh, seed oil consumption. Yet, these, these are the two things that we are told as a society to consume to reduce cardiovascular disease in an attempt to reduce cholesterol. So if, yep. um, you know, and cholesterol is the big bad wolf that it isn't actually exactly. and it's a much more nuanced conversation between the LDL and the HDL and the very low density or, or also you, know, you have LDL which is A and B type particles and insulin resistance increases the B type particles and if you think of uh, the sort of very low density cholesterol uh, and I'm making you spin through your whole presentation here aren't I um, it's like a golf ball as opposed to a beach ball uh, and it sort of goes to the it, it, it sticks onto the wall of the of the blood vessels much more easily um, and you've got a nice picture there is that a foamy is it from a macrophage so is yeah what, what I've got this is a part of, of one of the slides um, and this is to illustrate to people how important cholesterol is so cholesterol is imperative for life um, it's, it's imperative for cell formation, cell communication, nutrient absorption, nutrient transportation. It's essential for the production of hormones, which is something we're lacking later in life. Yeah. Uh, it's essential for the immune system, which is why when we get older, our immune system is short. And it's essential for healing. Um, uh, th this, this next slide is a little bit graphic. And I wasn't going to go into this, but you've got me off on one now. So, <laughs> so, so, so this was... Um, this is an image of an operation that I went through uh, following uh, an abscess. Now, um, I was told that I was going to take 12 weeks to recover from this operation, um, and the wound healed in little over three weeks, nine weeks quicker than, than I was told it was going to heal, and nine weeks quicker than anyone that within the medical professional that, that I was uh, speaking to had ever seen before. They were flabbergasted. Now, that figure beneath, that 10.26, is my cholesterol. Wow. And Excellent. <laughs> it is predominantly LDL. Now, oh. LDL is, is touted as the bad cholesterol, except LDL is protective. LDL is what heals and repairs the body. LDL is essential for life. Now, the reason I've gone into this is, is exactly what you've just said there. So um, LDL begins its journey as a very low-density lipoprotein, becomes an IDL intermediate, and then an LDL. Now, these, these travel the body. Uh, drop it off the lipid cargo uh, in the same way as a bus would do with passengers, healing and repairing the body. And then this LDL particle goes back to the liver uh, where it's recycled uh, and sent out again. Fantastic. That, that's cholesterol doing its job. Um, now, the problem is when it becomes glycated, so that image at the bottom there, this, this yellow strand is uh, an ApoB100 receptor. Um, these little tags uh, are, are glycated. Um, so th this is where the LDL particle has become glycated. On the other side, this is oxidized. So this is where the LDL part particles become glycated and oxidized. Now, the problem with this is that when that ApoB100 receptor is damaged, the liver no longer re recognizes this particle. So when it goes back to the liver for recycling, the liver oh. says, show me your access card. And then this ApoB100 is an access card. And the liver says, no, I don't recognize you. You're not coming in. So now these LDL particles are not allowed access to the liver and now they build greatly in number uh, and they circulate the body and then i'm going to take you back to another image so this is an image done by a uh, chemical engineer and nutrition expert Iva cummins which you're probably familiar with no doubt now th this shows the effect on the glycocalyx um after the consumption high consumption of carbohydrates now the glycocalyx is our arterial wall's first line of defense uh, now after we've consumed carbs 
within two, four and six hours, the glycocalyx has been completely destroyed and it takes eight to 12 hours to recover. So we are told to eat little and often and we're told to eat 70% you know, carbohydrates. Our glycocalyx is never repairing. Now, another thing that causes damage to the glycocalyx is oxidized uh, LDL particles. So once this is damaged, LDL particles will go there in order to repair. Uh, now they have access to the subendothelial space. Now in the subendothelial space, there are cells called macrophages. Now these macrophages allow this LDL particle access when the liver wouldn't. So basically says, come here, you know, you can come into me. It'll engulf these, it'll pull them in until this, this macrophage grows greatly in number, uh, creating a foam cell. And it's this foam cell that is the start of an atherosclerotic plaque. So it's, it's oxidized and, and glycated uh, LDL particles that lead to this damage. It isn't a healthy LDL particle. Um, and here's an image that shows um, the difference between sort of pattern A and pattern B. So my LDL is predominantly pattern A and non-glycated and non-oxidized. But when we consume these uh, these oxidized seed oils, um, high in linoleic acid and these these grains uh, and processed um, foods and sugar. Sunflowers, sunflowers, corn, corn, uh, corn oils, uh, just just to give people an idea. What else is a, is a, is a, what people think are healthy seed yeah. oils what so else safflower peanut oil canola oil uh any vegetable oil um even you know the strange thing is that um we know that these vegetable oils you know it, within our society are damaging and we believe it to be due to linoleic acid which is an omega-6 mm -hmm. except it's not just um linoleic acid it's the fact that this linoleic acid is oxidized um so when we look at a keto lifestyle um oxidized uh, vegetable and seed oils cause a rise in arachidonic acid within the body. Um, now, the thing with arachidonic acid, it, it isn't going to do anything until it's told to do something by cyclooxygenase or lipoxygenase, um, which is caused through these oxidized seed oils. Um, but omega-3s, oxidized omega-3s will cause the same. So they will lead to these downstream prostaglandins, prostacyclins from vaccines and wow. leukotrienes, which are having um, detrimental effect on, um, on constriction, on inflammation. Um, so it isn't just, it's not just this linoleic acid, it's, it's oxidized anything. Um, when we eat meat, for example, fresh food, fresh fish, they contain these omega these omega sixes and these omega threes, but they're, they're non-oxidized. So it's it's only over time that they become oxidized, but particularly they're particularly high in feed oils. But it's also pertinent to be careful over um over bottled oils uh, and, and even omega three supplements sometimes. You know, so we need to be mindful that it's always they're not oxidized. Yeah, getting a quality one. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it I mean we can go to town on this if you wanted to. I mean this um when we look at um there's a study here, this was a double-blind randomized control trial that looks at the effect of um, vegetable oils, olive oil, uh, and saturated fat. Um, and what this study showed was that um, the more people died on vegetable oil. So I think five people died within two years on vegetable oil, two people died, or sorry, three people died within um, the olive oil group, and only one in the saturated fat group. And even within our community, we are told that, um, you know, natural fats are good, but we still almost fear saturated fat a little bit. Yet saturated fat is the best fat for us. You know, the, these, these saturated fats and stearic acids that we will find in animal proteins uh, are far more effective for us that, than, than even uh, avocado oil and, and olive oil, you know. Um, 
So this is Baka, Guy, Lad, uh, yeah. this type of thing. God, it, yeah. And, the, and there's also, um, you know, the, the, the ratio, like having proteins with your fats yes. is, is a very important thing. In nature, that's how it always comes packaged, if you think about it, or mostly. Yeah. And it's very rare for it to be packaged with carbohydrates except in breast milk. Um, and that's because you're in a massive growing phase at that point. Uh, but, but otherwise, in nature, it's the proteins and fats you want to have together. Um, so that's I mean, it just shows the nuance of this conversation, right? <laughs> so, you, you have literally taken the words out of my mouth because I had exactly the same conversation with uh, a client this morning. Um, as we were evolving, we would hunt and kill an animal. Uh, that animal would be high in protein, uh, which is a macronutrient, but also a good source of micronutrients, the best source of micronutrients, which we'll come on to a little bit later. But it, it, protein and fat, and it contained protein and fat in complex. Now, what it didn't contain, as, as you rightly say, is carbohydrates. Carbohydrates were over there on that tree in the form of fruit for two months of the year. So they're not even something that we would eat on a daily basis. So especially where, where I'm from within the UK, um, we would get fruit in the form of berries for two months of the year. Uh, and as you rightly say, in nature, the only time we get all three in complex is, is in breast milk. Uh, and beyond infancy, uh, we wouldn't be consuming breast milk, um, let alone from another animal. Um, so, yeah, in nature, you know, we need to consume protein and fat in complex. Um, and within the keto community, there's quite often this um, uh, this pursuit for 70 percent of calories from fat. Now, fat is awesome. Fat is our friend. But it's not the be all and end all, and it should not come at the detriment of protein. Protein is the most important macronutrient. And if you were eating protein from natural sources, you were getting your fat uh, in complex, your protein and fat. An egg, for example, comes with around six grams of protein, five grams of fat. So gram for gram, they're almost 50-50. Chicken skin, uh, chicken breast even with the skin now contains protein and fat. And this is how we need to view our food, you know? So we need to be eating foods, natural foods in complex with um, with proteins and fats. That's fantastic. Rich, um, so just going back to the whole insulin resistance story. So this is what something over time, and in, in, in so many of us uh, in our 40s and beyond, this is when, when it all starts to go to shit, basically. <laughs> and we get this insulin resistance, which is basically metabolic dysregulation. And this is the gateway for for all of the big killers. This is the gateway. I mean, it even increases your risk of cancer. Yeah, uh, not, that's not a well known fact. It's it's not just uh, the genetic side of cancer. Yep, there's that part as well. But did you know that metabolic and being obese increases your chances of cancer exponentially? Oh, there you go. Thanks, Richard. You're just a mindful of information. Go for that. Go for it. So yeah. Um... <laughs> This is another piece that I that I talk about when uh, I'm speaking to to people, you know, during the presentation. So when we consider, and again, I'm I'm not anti-carbohydrate. I just want people to understand um, the, what the the overconsumption can do. So the overconsumption of carbohydrates leads to elevated glucose. It rises our insulin, increased triglycerides, increases our pattern BLDL, which, as we've just discussed, is actually the damage in LDL, but and pattern B, uh, pattern A isn't. Uh, it leads to inflammation, it lowers our HDL and leads to a whole host of unpleasant things like obesity, diabetes, arterial inflammation, cardiovascular disease, hypertension, and a whole host of other things. 
yet when we take out those carbohydrates um this decreases our glucose uh, we get improved insulin sensitivity it lowers our triglycerides uh, decreases our pattern bldl and increases our pattern a uh, now we have no information ldl is up and now we've taken away all the downstream effects um now there's only a handful that we've written there but almost every illness and disease including cancers um stems from two things insulin resistance and inflammation uh, and carbohydrates and seed oils uh, are the two biggest contributing factors to um you know th these two causes inflammation uh, and, and insulin resistance um and what a lot of people don't understand is in fact this um now we've got it up let's just go to town on it so at least, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna like geek out for hours <laughs> you'd love this actually yeah so when I'm when I'm doing talks to people and they um they you know we are told that carbohydrates are essential for life um and they're not and the reason being is that they don't understand what carbohydrates are but everyone understands what sugar is so this is sugar this is sugar but all of these are sugar too mm. so usually your pasta your rice all carbohydrates break down into sugar all carbohydrates sugar uh, now, when we look at the back of a packet and it says, uh, you know, number of carbohydrates, 80 grams per 100, and then it'll say something like, for example, of which sugar is five, and then we think, oh, only, you know, only uh, five grams of this is sugar, and all of those carbs, sugar, eventually, that that of which sugars, you know, fi that five grams is of which sugars immediately, the rest is stored as glycogen in the liver and the muscle, but it will always sugar eventually every carb breaks down into sugar so carbs equal sugar and th that's important to understand because even your bowl of muesli so i mean we've got granola there um i mean when we look at granola for example so when i'm talking to a client and i'll say you know what do you eat for breakfast and they say oh well i'm really healthy i, I eat my granola for breakfast it's oh great you know um <laughs> granola is like 80 grams of carbs per hundred now, if we divide that by four to get the, the, the number of teaspoons, that's 20 teaspoons of sugar per 100 grams. Wow. Um, and I don't know about you, but I don't eat 100 grams of cereal. No, I eat four, 500 grams. You know? <laughs> yeah, look, if you've got a big appetite, you're going to be eating you know? a ton of it. Yeah, yeah. I don't eat cereal at all anymore, but I used no, to. No, of course, um, yeah. And then what do we do as a society? We think we're being healthy. We cut up a banana and we add a banana. Fiber. I got, yeah. <laughs> now, we're adding sugar to our bowl of sugar. You know, we've got a massive bowl of sugar. We're on 20 plus teaspoons of sugar before we've even started the day. Um, and then we wonder why soon after that we're crashing and burning. We've got brain fog uh, and we wonder why we're craving. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you want and me. Bread. I mean, bread is another one. And oh, this is a hard one, Rich. You know, I, I love bread. <laughs> I'll be honest. Like, it's a hard sell, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and and we're told to eat, you know, like you need your fiber, right? Okay, we do actually want some fiber, but we want that from vegetables and uh you know, you know the thing about fiber is that why do why do we need fiber? So there's a few reasons, okay, why we think we need fiber. Uh now we can break them all down, but the main reason uh is to feed uh the colonocytes, uh, to yeah. break butyrate to feed the colonocytes. Um so butyrate is is great except when we consume animal proteins the body breaks down these animal proteins into isobutyrate and isovalerate now these both feed the colonocytes a lot higher than butyrate from fiber 
So if we think of animal protein as animal fiber, this is what it's doing. So we don't actually need fiber from a plant. Um, I'm carnivore uh, generally, so I don't eat uh, fiber from, from any other source, but the animal proteins I consume break down and feed um, my you know, my colonocytes with isobutyrate and is isovalerate. So this whole fiber thing, again, uh, I think we get hung up quite often in um, these vegetables, in these greens and, and the fiber. Uh, and every case for it has almost been sort of completely, um, you know, disproven. And it, it seems to be another, um, another bluff from the food industry to get us to eat certain foods. I'm not telling you not to eat your greens by any means. Um, but it's also important to understand that the most nutrient dense foods on the planet are animal proteins. Uh, and coming back to what I said previously that, um, you know, protein is, is a macronutrient, but animal proteins are the best source of micronutrients from vitamin A down to zinc. Um, and when we look at things like a, a carrot, for example, we consume carrots because we're told it's good for our eyes, for vitamin A, for retinol. Mm -hmm. a carrot contains zero vitamin a zero vitamin a wow. now, contains beta carotene which is a precursor yeah. but it needs to be acted upon by an enzyme called bcmo to convert it into the active form of uh, vitamin a which is retinol yet animal proteins contain retinol um kale for vitamin k except we need k2 and kale contains k1 so we have to convert k1 into k2 you know bodies do it almost so inefficiently that close to zero is converted um, you know, there's B vitamins that we, we can only get from, uh, from animal proteins, our creatine, carnitine, carnitine, all of these we can only get from animal proteins. And when we consume fiber with our protein, um, fiber can bind to like vitamin B6 pyridoxine and block um, the absorption of that by up to 85%. Wow. Uh, so fiber isn't the friend that we believe it is. Uh, and what that, about gut motility, you know, like, you know, um, to keep your gut regular and things like that and you, no? No, not at all. It, do you know what? I think this, this is a, this is a part for another time. I think we could go. <laughs> um, yeah, you're, you're amazing. Your knowledge is incredible. Do you know, it, Carry um, yeah, it, the reason that I become carnivore was through laziness. I'll be honest. I'm so busy. I work 18 hour days, seven days a week. I haven't had a day off, I, you know, probably in about eight years. Um, my own doing, because I love what I do. I work for myself um, and I love to help people. And, and that's what I try to do. Uh, I want to make the lives of others better. I want to improve their health and well-being. And in order to do that, um, it, you know, it's led me down this rabbit hole of uh, of um, study and, and a life of, of learning. And I'm always learning. We're, we're all learning. Yeah, uh, and totally. as a society, you know, within our community, we're always learning off each other. Um, but initially, I became carnivore through laziness. I was so busy that to fry a steak took two minutes. I didn't have time to cook the kale and spinach which, and broccoli, which I loved. Uh, and then six months later, I thought, you know what? I feel the best I've ever felt. Now, living this lifestyle and removing, as you say, uh, you know, as you said earlier, those most toxic foods, those um, those grains and those seed oils, those made me feel a lot better. This is where I felt. Yeah, you know, it was the big one. Myself. But then removing these plant foods, I sort of, my energy was now up here. My mental clarity was crystal clear. I felt the best I'd ever felt. And I didn't understand it because I was always taught, wait a minute, we need, you know, um, the minerals from, from vegetables. But when we break it down, yes, ve veg, you know, are a source of vitamins and minerals, 
but they're also a source of phytoalexins, tannins, mm. um, uh, phytic acid, anti-nutrients. So an, an animal can run away, but a plant can't. So a plant's defense mechanism uh, are its plant toxins, uh, and it's designed to attack uh, its predator. Um, no, it, broccoli, for example, um, we contain bro we, we consume broccoli because it's high in a compound called sulfropane, which yeah. is used in the as, as you're familiar broccoli with. Broccoli seeds in the cupboard yeah. that I'm making. Yeah. No, no, broccoli, fantastic. Uh, sulfropane is brilliant in the treatment for cancer. Um, no, sulfropane or, or cancer in general. I mean, we wouldn't consume uh, a chemotherapy pill if we didn't have cancer. Um, so why would we consume sulfropane if we didn't have cancer? Because these compounds kill every cell in the body, not just cancer cells. Now, the thing with sulfropane is that it's so toxic that it doesn't exist in a healthy plant. So it's created during the chewing process when myrosinase binds to glucoraphane to create an isothiocyanate called sulfropane, which is a toxin. So it's so toxic it doesn't exist in a healthy plant. Um, so sulfropane isn't, it isn't good for you. Obviously, if you, know, you were fighting cancers, it's fantastic um and that's yep. what i would recommend I'm on it. yeah exactly you know um but this is the reason that i've removed broccoli i've taken spinach out because of the oxalates you know mm -hmm. lead to uh, calcium buildup in the joints uh, in the kidneys and they lead to kidney stones um i've taken out other foods because of phytic acid because they block the absorption of other nutrients i've taken out food because of lectins um you know, lectins is something else we can go into if you like us yeah yeah but yeah because that's a really interesting one so this is sort of the a protein that was it a protein i think it is the, 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 the plants produce that stop well they don't want to be eaten so they make these lectins that make you sick yes do you know what you've just all of this i i knew it was going to happen um <laughs> you're going off on a tangent and we've gone off your original question which is about calories um <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot back to that really quickly while we remember. Okay, so yep. th this is the standard sort of eat well plate. Uh, it's high in vegetables, fruits, and grains, moderate protein, and little to no fat. So it you know the predominating factor there is carbohydrates, and as we've established earlier, carbs are sugar. So when it comes to weight gain, um, there are two predominating theories: um, the caloric model, calories in versus calories out and the endocrine system, our hormones. Now, we all know that crazy friend of ours who says, it doesn't matter what I eat, I just can't lose weight. And we are thinking, really, that they are up at three in the morning, stuffing their face with pies and pasties. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. that would be the case. But um, the fact is that, ultimately, calories do need to be accounted for, but it is hormones that govern whether we gain or lose weight. Yep. And the yep. reason for that is, there's lots of reasons but these are my four predominating factors so it doesn't what, what the caloric model doesn't account for is the effect of insulin it doesn't account for the thermic effect of food doesn't account for metabolic rate and it doesn't account for ketogenesis um so what i'll do i'll take you through some of these really quickly you now if, if we've got time for this yeah, um, awesome so when we consume carbohydrates they get broken down into glucose Glucose is then stored in the liver as muscle, uh, in the liver and muscle as glycogen. When these stores are full, it overspills and stores as fat. So this is this is carbohydrates. So carbohydrates lead to storing fat, um, and this is the mechanism that it goes through. So when we consume carbohydrates, the pancreas releases insulin. It upregulates upregulates this hormone called lipoprotein lipase. 
um, which breaks these back bonds on the triglyceride, on the glycerol backbone. Now, a triglyceride circles the blood, but it cannot enter the fat cell in its whole state. So when insulin is upregulated, and it upregulates this its enzyme lipoproteinase, it breaks these bonds, which allows fatty acids to diffuse into the bloodstream. The glycerol backbone travels in through something called the GLUT4 transporter, and then they, they join back together within the fat cell. So this is how we store fat. So it's carbohydrates to store fat. And in fact, we can't store fat without insulin. So whenever insulin is elevated, the body stores fat. Now, for us to use this for fuel, for us to use these fatty acids, uh, we need to perform this in reverse. So we need uh, this enzyme, hormone-sensitive lipase, to carry out the same process, to break these backbones, to allow fatty acids to diffuse into the bloodstream. Now, the problem is when insulin is elevated, insulin blocks hormone-sensitive lipase. It blocks the body's ability to, to release these fatty acids. So these carbohydrates have told the body to store fat, and now it's put this biological lock on our fat stores, making it impossible for us to burn fat. So if you were consuming carbs before you go into the gym in order to lose weight, excuse me, um, you are working against yourself because your, your hormones are basically telling the body to store fat. So insulin is a storing hormone and it wants to store fat. So this, this is one of the factors that, um, uh, that the caloric model doesn't account for. Um, and insulin but, also does other things too, doesn't it, Rich? There's a lot of good things in the body as well. It's not that we don't need insulin at all, but you cannot, and this was an interesting fact that I um, learned from Dr. Bickman, type 1 diabetics who don't produce insulin cannot get fat. And so they can actually literally eat whatever they want and they will not get fat. However, those that glucose goes around the body and then damages and glycates and they end up losing legs and limbs and eyes and things if they don't use insulin. So, you know, that's, the, <laughs> but if they just, they could eat whatever they want because in the absence of insulin, you do not store fat. So that's yep. insulin. That is the absolute key, key thing here. And it's yeah. a growth hormone, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, as you say, insulin is imperative for life. Um, but we don't want to overstimulate it, obviously. Uh, and as a society, this is exactly what we do with this overconsumption, this constant barragement of, of a boost from, you know, from, from carbohydrates and sugars. Um, so, yeah, insulin is essential, but, you know, you know these are the downstream effects of overconsuming these carbs. Um, so the second thing, the second thing on my list is the effect of, um, of lectins. Now, Grains are high in lectins. Uh, other foods are high in lectins as well. I won't go in, into those today, but we'll just stick to the grains for now. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize about grains is that they cause five times more fat storage than insulin itself. So, Whoa. yeah. So, so this is the, the storage effect of insulin. Now, this is wheat germagglutinin from bread. And the, the fat storage effect, because these bind to insulin receptors and they tell the body to store fat. So this, this effect of wheat germagglutinin is five times higher than the effect of insulin itself. Uh, and at the top there is the combined fat storage effect of the insulin and the lectins. So, Holy heck. I did not know that at all. So, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it, um, it, it's, it's scary. It's scary. So, so this is what lectins do. Uh, and these grains contain lectins. Lectins are carbohydrate-binding proteins. 
Uh, we all know one of them uh, in the form of gluten. Um, gluten isn't the only one and arguably not the most dangerous. Um, although, you know, the, the, and there are lots of them, you know, wheat germagglutinin, phytohemagglutinin, um, but they all cause issues within the body. Uh, now, one of these downstream effects of that is that um, when we consume food, our body releases a hormone called leptin. You know, leptin tells us that we're full. Uh, when we consume foods that contain lectins, um, lectins block leptin. So lectins block the body's ability to tell us that we've eaten and to tell us that we're full. Um, so if you can imagine we've just eaten, um, we're not feeling full, we consume more, which leads to further fat storage, you know. Um, but it gets even worse than that. So these lectins, um, this is the effect the lectins have on the body. So th this is my interpretation of our microvilli. So don't laugh too loud. <laughs> <laughs> our microvilli are little fingers that line our gut. And now when we uh, consume food, these, uh, these <coughs> excuse me, th these foods are broken down into nutrients. These nutrients bind to, to the microvilli. And this is our, how our body absorbs nutrients and gets the vitamins and minerals that we need. The problem with lectins is that lectins bind to receptor sites in the microvilli, covering up the surface area and preventing uh, a lot of these nutrients from being absorbed. So again, we're consuming these nutrients, but lectins are blocking the body's ability to absorb these nutrients. So this leads to further overconsumption. So again, this is the effect of, uh, you know, out with outside of the, the, the caloric model. Um, now, th this is a further zoom out. Now, what I don't have on you is the, is the microvilli on top. So, so this, this um, you know, picture of the microvilli, mm -hmm. this cell there. So these are the epithelial cells that I know gut. Mm -hmm. so one cell thick. So yeah. it's one cell thick within our gut. Mm -hmm. um, and it's this layer that protects our inside from external toxins. So it's mm -hmm. got a massive job. It's super important. Um, we certainly don't want to be damaging this epithelial layer. Yeah, which we when, do. Yeah. But yeah. when these lectins come in, um, they bind to the receptor sites to cause uh, the release of a molecule called zonulin. And zonulin release causes a gap in the tight junction between the epithelial cells. Now, the problem with this is this, is this allows undigested protein molecules to travel into the bloodstream. Now, when they are there, the body creates antibodies to fight them because they see them as a foreign invader. And then yeah, wow. yeah, perfect. So through a process of uh, called molecular mimicry, the body starts attacking other proteins in the body that look the same, and that's autoimmune disease. So this this is across the board. Lectins cause this in everybody, whether you have celiacs or not, whether you're gluten intolerant or not. Lectins cause intestinal permeability. If you were consuming lectins, you have intestinal permeability. Uh, now these are all factors um, as to why you know the caloric model doesn't work. Um, which leads me on to the third one. You ready for this one? <laughs> yeah, go for it. So this okay. is the, this mm. is the fact of food. So um, protein spends twenty-five to thirty percent, thirty-five percent, sorry, of its calories to digest, absorb, and process. Carbohydrates is five to ten, and fats are naught to five percent. So if you recall that diagram we saw earlier, you know, uh, sort of seventy percent of our calories coming from carbohydrates moderate protein and little to no fat now based on a two and a half uh, thousand calorie diet per day if we were to swap the caloric value of the carbohydrate to the caloric value of the protein so not adjusting overall caloric value just adjusting the source of the calories to this 
the thermic effect of the protein would spend an additional 380 calories per day. So, the, so uh, to break it down, in other words, and to, to actually utilize it, it uses a lot more energy up yes. in the breakdown of it. Yeah. So suddenly, you know, the, the whole caloric model is now blown out of the water. Yeah, um, very and, much. And this, this is a study that points out. So this study split people into three groups. Um, we had uh, a low-carb group, moderate-carb, and high-carb. Now, this study was isocaloric, so everyone was on the same calories. Uh, and what they showed is the difference between the low-carb and high-carb group uh, as an average spent an additional 278 calories per day by upregulating um, uh, metabolism. So just by going, and this isn't even keto, this is just low-carb to high-carb. So that 278, if we were to play the caloric you know, model at its own game and based, um, you know, what they say is three and a half thousand calories to gain or lose a pound, which is rubbish, but we'll play yes. that game anyway. So if we were to play that game, 278 multiplied by 365 is 28 pound a year. So in based on their own theory, if we had two people, uh, me, for example, if I cloned myself and I put myself on the same caloric value, on high carb and I maintained low carb, then my other self would have to burn off or work off an additional two stone per year to be in the same place as I am just because I've gone, you know, low carb. And uh, to just reinforce that, Richard, if I can tell, you know, um, I'm an ultra distance runner. One of the reasons I started running was to lose weight and then realized after 25 years, it took me to realize that, yes, it did help me lose some weight, um, but I actually never, this calorie model never worked, and that really came to the fore when I ran through New Zealand and I was doing 70Ks a day for the first two weeks and then 55Ks a day sort of uh, right through the New, New Zealand, 2,250 kilometers, and I got fatter en route, and I was burning in excess of 10,000 calories a day according to the the expenditure per hour of what I was running, etc., and I was I was losing muscle mass, and I was my metabolism slowed, my hormones were up the crapper, my inflammation was through the roof, and uh, I was never the same again. By the way, it sort of broke me. But um, the calorie—that's when the calorie model for me went. Hang on a minute, I because yeah. I thought by the end of running that I would be a stick figure, <laughs> and I wasn't, and I was pissed off. It's, do you know, it's, um, it's, it's funny you should say that because I've got a slide here. This is my everything presentation. So it's whatever. Amazing. You know. <laughs> it's freaking amazing. I need a copy of this. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> this been on. Um, so this is Professor Noakes. Yeah. So Tim Noakes literally wrote the book, as you know, on carbon. Yep. In, it was uh, my Bible, man. And then and I've had him on the show since, and he's obviously this stuff. Brilliant. Yeah. Oliver. So uh, I hope I do this justice then, seeing as he's been on. Um, but Tim wrote the book on carb loading. Uh, th this is the reason why marathon runners consume carbs before they go on a marathon. This is the reason why people consume carbs before they go to the gym. It's because Tim Noakes told him to. Um, and then he got diabetes, and then he changed his chain. Yeah. <laughs> That's, and that's exactly what the next slide is. He's so, amazing. yeah, yeah. Tim wrote the book, uh, and in an interview in 2016, he basically said, I apologize because that was completely wrong. For 33 years, uh, Noak says I was part of the problem, uh, and he reversed his position on high carbohydrate diet in 2011. Even though he was a runner uh, and didn't drink or smoke, he was overweight and diagnosed with type yep. 2 diabetes. 
And now, you know, as you know, Tim Noakes is probably one of the world's leading keto experts. Um, and I believe, uh, you know, don't quote me, but he was he was um, uh, he taken to court, wasn't he, by the South African oh, government? Horrific, you know? horrific story. Because the uh, big food industry and the big universities did not like him not backing their, their uh, you know, because of the new research that he'd done was not in line with what they wanted and they raked him over the coals for it, but he won. But he won, yeah. He but won. He's he was right. He was right. Exactly. He was right. Now, this is the guy that is telling. So all of your viewers there today now that are convinced the carbs are essential for life, it's essential for training, essential for energy. This is the guy that told you to do it. And now he is telling you that he had it wrong. And he is putting his hands up, come off his, his, his soapbox, and he is saying, look, I was wrong. Um, the challenge was wrong back then. Yep. Yeah, you know, so it, it takes, a, you know, one hell uh, of, of a man to, to admit this. And now he helps people on a daily basis fight off all sorts of uh, illnesses and diseases by yep. pushing um, and promoting, you know, a low-carb ketogenic lifestyle. Um, so hats off to uh, to Tim Noakes for that, you know. Yeah, he's a legend. He's a yeah, legend. for sure. Um but yeah, it. You know, while we're on the, the topic of that, I'll um I'll take you over to something else now. So, as long as you don't mind, <laughs> go, go go for it, Rich. <laughs> One of the other reasons that we are told to consume carbs is that um, it's imperative for building muscle. Um, now this is a study that looks at the co-ingestion of carbohydrates uh, in conjunction with protein, and even though this shows that um, the, you know there was a plasma insulin response significant so in other words there was an elevation of insulin um the effect on muscle protein synthesis with the co-ingestion of carbs and protein was zero there was no effect on the co-ingestion as long as adequate protein is consumed uh and to do that we need around three grams of leucine uh, which is you know a chicken breast or a steak for example uh, any normal sort of protein shake will contain you know around three grams of leucine other than plant-based proteins you need a lot more from plant-based proteins um but this shows the carbohydrates are not required. And then they echoed the same. So it's leucine. There's the amino acid that's in play there with the muscle synthesis, isn't it? It's leucine is the key one. But there we've got other, lots of other amino acids that are important for, for various things. Yeah. But leucine is the, is the key one there and you don't need carbs. Yes. Leucine is, is, is the main driver for, um, you know, for activating mTOR and, and building muscle. Um, so carbohydrates, the co-ingestion of carbs are not required. Now, the reason that we think that they are is that those carbs will fill the muscle with, with, with water and glycogen, make us look and feel bigger, um, but they have no impact actually on muscle size itself. Uh, now, interestingly, what this study shows is that um, when we consume protein and fat, i.e. what we were just talking about, foods in complex, um, this does show a stimulation of muscle protein synthesis. So if we could eat our meats in complex, if we need to eat our, uh, you know, our eggs, um, you know, our cheese even, uh, but if we eat that steak you know, full of fat, if we eat that chicken breast with the skin on, we are increasing muscle protein synthesis. So we now have the ability to build more muscle. Now, muscle building isn't purely for gym goers. Muscle is important for everybody. Longevity. Exactly. And we <laughs> Metabolism. Need yeah, that's right. The, the more muscle we have, uh, the more, uh, yeah, the, the better. Anti-aging. It's 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 everything. Like you know, this is um, something that you know, like especially for women, we, you know, don't necessarily want to 
think that we don't want to build muscle, but I can tell you, ladies, if you, if you think you don't want muscle, you do. We get sarcopenic as we get older. As we go over the age of 40, we're starting to lose muscle mass every year, something like on the average of 200 grams a year. Um, and, and, and that is compounding the whole weight gain thing because we've got less metabolically active muscle, which is also endocrine active, uh, and therefore we our metabolism slows down. So we want to be building muscle. And it is my focus now as an athlete who's no longer doing ultra endurance uh, running. And now a, a big part of my focus is muscle building. And I'm very, very lean now, um, but not from running. <laughs> it's from muscle building. <laughs> uh, I found it a lot easier to maintain my, my uh, fat percentage, if you like, um, through just simple resistance training, uh, CrossFit training, uh, weights, much, much more than cardio. Now, that doesn't mean I don't do any cardio because I do because there are other benefits of cardio. But cardio is, is just but it's a bit like the calorie um, story where we think calories are, you know, and we think cardio is the way to lose weight. It, it adds to it. It's a part of the equation. But if I had to choose between weight training and cardio and could only do one, it would be the weight training because I know that's more anti-aging, that's going to keep my muscle mass. Um, yeah, sorry, I, I jumped in there. But, you know, when you've got personal stories, you're pretty passionate about sharing these because you did it wrong for years, you know? Yeah, well, the thing is, I mean, we've we've all made mistakes, and this is, this is why I think we are so passionate about what we do, um, because we have made every mistake there is to make. We've fallen into every pitfall, uh, and now... I think you know b between you know the, the two of us, we want to pass on this message of health and well-being and longevity, because it almost feels like a secret because it's not in me. <laughs> yeah, um, I scream it from the rooftops. I'll stop people in the street and they look at me as if I'm absolutely mental. Um, <laughs> <you know? laughs> I do too. It's like oh, good. <laughs> but, I call know, it unsolicited knowledge bombs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm famous for them. <laughs> yeah that's isn't it and and i think yeah. this is why we do what we do you know yeah uh, but i mean coming back to the protein you know even if you even if you didn't train um you know things like osteoporosis uh which we are told is is uh irreversible it can actually be reversed with the consumption of protein and sodium um so in wow. fact you can't build um or repair bone without uh increase in sodium and protein um so protein is essential protein is not just for building muscle it builds bone uh, and as you say it uh, it helps with with longevity um, is the sodium is because sodium has been on my radar and I, maybe you know i don't know if it's your core um knowledge area but the, again the guidelines around sodium have been wrong you know um We've always been told sodium's bad and keep it down. And unless you're an athlete that needs some extra electrolytes, if you <laughs> got a slide on sodium, <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, yeah, this this is a little bit about sodium. So uh, now to understand, what I'm going to tell you that um, in fact, yeah, uh, in fact, we'll run through this. So high blood pressure uh, or essential hypertension is in fact an insulin dependent state. Now, we are told that it's to do with sodium. Uh, so when we suffer with high blood pressure or essential hypertension, we lower our sodium. Um, you know, sodium is essential for life. So 
what happens is insulin will draw sodium from four points in the nephrons in the kidneys back into the blood to keep us alive. Wherever sodium goes, water follows, leading to further high blood pressure. But it's, it's, it's insulin, it's insulin resistance that has caused this. So again, if you suffer with high blood pressure, it's not the salt in your diet, it's, it's the insulin resistance. And this can be very quickly combated and reversed. And I'm talking overnight, you will see a, you know, a, an improvement. And within uh, a week to two weeks, you could see massive improvements in blood pressure through dropping insulin. Um, but this, this study looks at, this study covers uh, uh, 17 countries and 100,000 participants. And it looks at the relationship of sodium excretion and all-cause mortality or risk of death. Um, now, the amount of sodium excreted is at least what was consumed. So this looks at uh, the effect of sodium when we go below 2,000 milligrams per day. And th this saw a massive increase in all-cause mortality. Uh, with the sweet spot being between sort of four to 6,000 milligrams per day. Um, now, if we were to get this from a table salt, because table salt is less than 48% um, sodium, we would need to consume around 15 tablespoons of salt per day. So even okay. though, yeah, a lot of, lot of sodiums, even down the opposite end of 10,000 milligrams per day, we are still in a much safer zone than going between one and a half thousand milligrams. Now, the source of sodium is important. Yeah. Um, ideally, you know, we want to do like a, a, a Celtic sea salt or a pink Himalayan, and, and, and this is this is one of the ones that I produce. Uh, but natural sources are, you know, Celtic sea salt um, and and pink Himalayan. Um, and, and the reason that, um, so, you know, going off thing a little bit when, when it comes to sort of being keto, so are you familiar with the keto flu? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the keto flu is caused when insulin drops, and this is how quickly insulin drops, and it literally sort of happens overnight. So when insulin drops, now it is signaling the kidneys to release the sodium from the body instead of pulling it back in. And then sodium is released, and this leads to keto flu because that's how essential sodium is for life. So, so don't neglect <laughs> So yeah, sodium is super essential. Um, again, you know, as I said on my, one of my five things in the beginning, you know, we're told to avoid sodium. Table salt is toxic. So avoid table salt is treated with all sorts of nasty chemicals. Um, get it from natural sources, as I say, a Celtic sea salt or pink Himalayan. Uh, but don't fear your sodium. Um, sodium and potassium, for that matter, are probably the two main contributing factors, I believe, when I'm speaking to clients in regards to fatigue. So yep. even if you are not doing you know, a, a low-carb keto lifestyle, we need lots of sodium. So don't... Well, don't I've, I've nearly died from potassium deficiency. Um, once you know, like running for too long <laughs> for like weeks at a time and um, ending up with a tetany seizure. So, I can attest to like that balance between sodium and potassium is just absolutely key, and things like magnesium as well are very, very important. Uh, and, and this is like coming back to you, you're a product that we have uh, in our range that we love uh, um, exogenous ketones, and these exogenous ketones really help you get into the ketosis state without this keto flu that we're talking about and it's bound to electrolytes which is really really helpful um because it sort of when you go you, you you're dumping all of that water aren't you when you go into it, the keto state and you drop your insulin as you just said there um so this is a, a, a i'm a big fan of the exogenous ketones to help you get into ketosis it's also fantastic for its therapeutic uses i find as well or people like my mum, um, who's got, uh, who's um, been dealing with cancer, 
and for a certain amount of time, she's not now, but she was on um, dexamethasone on steroids. And steroids, of course, you know, wreck your insulin system and your, and your blood sugar regulation. So I couldn't get her into ketosis no matter how low we went with her diet. And of course, we didn't want to starve over protein and, and all the other things. So having the exogenous ketones in the mix has been able to maintain her, her, her muscle mass, maintain her body weight, um, maintain her energy levels, improve her brain function. She's on the keto diet as well, but not a super, super strict one. Uh, we were at the beginning because I had to be, um, but now we're on sort of on top of the cancer, touch wood. Um, but the, the exogenous ketones are really, really, uh, I, I find them to be very uh, great therapeutic uses as well as for people who are wanting to lose weight and um, get themselves metabolically. And I'm on it because I'm not on a strict, strict keto diet. Um, that's the one. <laughs> that's the product. Um, but I take electrolytes. So yeah, <laughs> and your electrolytes. Yeah, yeah. Um, your electrolyte products absolutely fantastic, and I've tested that and love it too. And um, MCT oil, your MCT oil, oil powder is also really fantastic. And these combos, and the, like, yeah, you and I, yes, we are both business people, and we have these products and and so on. But we got into this because of our backstories. And I, we, I, I go around the world and I find the best supplements from the best people with the best quality and I put them in my range. And it's, to me, it's the stuff that I'm taking. It's the stuff that my family's taking. Um, and, and some people say, well, you've got an ulterior motive. No, I freaking haven't. <laughs> I just want to share what's good. Um, yeah. and, and you and I have both put everything on the line for our businesses as well um yeah. to make it to get this information there is easier ways of making a living i can tell you that um and as you can see with richard's uh presentation and this is just a part of it and we need a couple more of these sessions even though it's late at night for you to so that we can actually go through this in a more logical order um it, it's 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 fantastic because this is information that we're not being told you have to understand i mean i'm i am I'm very much into the whole space of, you know, prevention, health prevention, and I understand the limitations in our health system. We have fam fabulous doctors and nurses and, and, and things, but the system is broken and it is very disease-orientated, not prevention-orientated. It's not good at coping with chronic disease. Things like this diabetes is just, you know, an insulin resistance. It's just a, here's the easy answer. It's not easy to do, but it's the science is there. We know it, um, and yet they don't ever tell you that type of thing uh, because it goes against pharmaceutical industry, it goes against big food industry, and those are the, the plays. And that's fine. We just need to understand that there's uh, the things that are influencing the information that you're getting. Um, so you have to sort of, you know, counteract that and, and do your own research. And yeah. I hope this has opened up people's eyes today to go and do your own research. Yes. You know? Yes, Go and read the books, put the 100 hours in, because this is your health, this is your life, this is long, your longevity. I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> you've, you've struck so many chords there because, um, you know, I, I manufacture uh, products, uh, I design products, uh, and people say to me that I have an ulterior motive. And again, yes, you know, I need to sell products, I need to make uh, money, otherwise I can't help anybody. Yeah. Um, but I have not made these products to sell 
just to make money. I've made them because there's nothing quite right on the market and I've made them because I believe in them. I've made them for me to use. Um, and as you rightly say, uh, you know, my, my wife and I have, uh, you know, we owned two houses outright. Uh, we have sold these and now we rent. Uh, and look, there's nothing wrong with renting, but we have literally put everything we own on the line to start um, you know, our business. The business began in 2016 and over the last two years, we haven't turned a profit at all in any month. COVID hasn't been kind. No. Uh, if this was about money, uh, I would have quit and I would have gone back to work. I'm a qualified, I'm a SIPs qualified buyer. I could go back and earn a lot of money working in an engineer, uh, engineering company. Um, you know, on a nine to five instead of working 18 hour days, seven days a week. But I do what I do because I'm, you know, I want to help people. Uh, I made these products for me to use and I want to give them to the world because the, the other products on the market are full of all of these nasties. Um, which I don't agree with, and I don't put them into my product. Um, you know, these products are based on extensive research. Um, they are based on my lifestyle. They are based on results that I've achieved, you know, clients have achieved, uh, and they're there to aid and help people along their journey. They're not, they're not the answer to everything because, um, for example, uh, people will come into me, you, you've said about ketones being used for weight loss, and yes, you can use them for weight loss, I won't sell them for weight loss. Um, now, by that, I mean, if, if a, a, a client comes to see me, excuse me, or someone off the high street and says, look, um, I can't be bothered to do anything. I want a magic pill. Um, I will take time out of my day. I will put them down. I will educate them in means of real nutrition. I would explain basically what I've told you there about what's causing fat storage, the effects of lectins, uh, you know, how important animal proteins are. And I will say, to, I'll give them a sheet of paper and I'll say, look, go away. I want you to follow this for a week. If you can come back and in, in a week and tell me you have stuck to this, um, I will sell you this product to help you along your journey. Now, whenever I do this, not once has anyone ever come back. Uh, I can sell them this product and I could <laughs> on every one of these, but I'm not in to a magic pill. I'm into into saving lives and improving you know health and well-being of people. You know if if you know if this person under a little bit of guidance cannot take that first step to improving their own health and well-being, then I don't want anything to do with magic pills. Um, you know these things are there as a supplement. They're there to aid and help you along your journey based upon your um, solid foundation. Now you can you can water the ground all you like. But until that seed is planted, nothing's going to grow. And that's what I try to do. I educate people in, in the world of real nutrition. And then these things are there to supplement and aid and help you along your journey. So, yeah, it um, you know, as you say, we've got a business. But the same as you, I, I produce my own products. I stock third-party brands. Um, if, there's, if there's a product out there that does the job, I will stock it. Um, yeah. But the ones that I make, I make because they're not quite good enough or I've made it better. Yeah. Uh, and I stand by and I believe in all the products that we manufacture and produce. And I use every single one of them. And I love your integrity. It's a step and your passion. Actually, Richard, on that note, show them that a picture of you uh, previously and you and your last bodybuilding ch uh, competition. Just not that anyone wants to be a bodybuilder, but just to sure. illustrate what the hell you're talking about. 
So, you know, th these are probably not the best images because I put another three stone on after this. But, you know, th these are images of me when I had my picture taken. I hated the way I looked, so I didn't have my picture taken very often. Um, now, after adopting a keto lifestyle, uh, you know, th this picture was taken two years ago. <clears throat> um, I have improved on that since. <laughs> You're kidding me. <laughs> um, you can't improve on that, can you? I mean, that's just extreme. I mean, not everyone wants to be a bodybuilder, but, you know, the difference is just like, holy shit, to go from type 2 diabetes, anxiety, all of that, to from that. Being unable to walk up the stairs without stopping and being severely out of breath to being the number one in Britain in my category within three to four years. Um, you know, it, it just it's a testament to what healthy living can do. Uh, yeah. And this is what we preach, you know, and uh, in fact, I'll, this, this is a lady that um, that we work with now. Sarah, uh, Sarah's husband, Mark, came to see me. He's a triathlete. He lost a ton of weight. He improved his triathlon times. Uh, Sarah is a neurophysiologist, so she's not a silly person by any means. She's highly intelligent, but she was overweight and she was diabetic. Uh, she came to see me through her husband or the transformation from her husband. Um, and to date, so it was just over 12 when she's lost five and a half stone. She's reversed her diabetes. Wow. Uh, at this point in the picture, yeah, it was um, it was just over five stone. I think she's well over five and a half now. Uh, and now, uh, oh, back then, she could barely walk a mile. And now she's running marathons. And oh, she, really? yeah, awesome. and she, <laughs> it's not she she hasn't lost the weight through running. She's running. No because she has so much energy from the weight that she's lost so this this is one of the success stories and this is um you know this is a real person you know when, when you look at my image i think sometimes it can ostracize people in thinking well that's not what i want to be yeah. uh, but i've done that to prove how powerful it is but you know sarah is a, is a real person i'm i'm a real person you know you are a real person and that is real results but most people like would like holy heck but what that shows though rich is the amazingness of the human body, you know, to to come back despite, you know, going on the wrong path for, for decades, not knowingly, but going on, you know, it's just absolutely mind-boggling. You don't have to be into bodybuilding. You just have to be into health, wellness, longevity, anti-aging, want to live long, not have strokes and heart attacks, and you know. And, and this is, you know, why I do what I do. I've been through these journeys with my family, with my mum, with my dad and I don't want other people to go through the shit I've been through. That's all I can say. It's you know you save you a few people learn from your mistakes and you want to pass that knowledge on. Uh, and as you say, it is it's for everyone. You know, these are some of the people that we work with. Some uh, are ketogenic and some are not. Um, you know, some some just use supplements, uh, but they are, you know they do consume carbs. So, you know, these are these are uh, you know our our supplements are classed as foods, so they're zero vat rated um and anybody can can use them and benefit and these are just some of the people uh you know uh, andriana christophe is um, a celebrity in the uk she's known for being on the itv series the cube uh shane williams is an ex-international rugby star um you know still a big uh, a big noise here within the uk we work with him you know we work with cage fighters we work with endurance athletes we work with you know lexi is 13. she's a cage fighter she's a future world champion in my opinion so watch this space um, and people like the, uh, the CrossFit Aylesbury, you know, the athlete program who are, are not keto, they just train extensively uh, and they use things like the ketones and, and the electrolytes. Um, but look, you know, th this is, uh, this lifestyle is 
know for anyone that wants to improve health and well-being um and it just so happens that if you want to be an elite athlete then you need to be fit and healthy because you can be you can be fit but it doesn't mean you're healthy um yep, i was fit <laughs> i was fit 100 hundreds of k's but i wasn't healthy yeah my sport wasn't probably that healthy it's wrong to, you know, especially for my genetics but you're damn right you yeah there's varying degrees of i feel a lot better now than in oh, the different regime and a different food regime and i thought i was doing it all right and look, I, I'm not saying to, to you know to, to the people who win that you have to become ketogenic. Look, if you know, if ketosis is a natural metabolic state. Um, it's the metabolic state we're born in. It's the metabolic state we've evolved in our entire existence. So it, it isn't a fad. It shouldn't be feared. But again, if this isn't something you want to do, remove those grains, take out those seed oils, salt your meals with natural salt. Um, and you know you were making massive steps to improving your health and well-being. You know if, if you consume more animal proteins, um, then you, you know you, you're on a winner, um, keto or not. And, and this is what I, I I don't only work with people who are low carbon keto. We work with people um, who you know don't want to live a keto lifestyle. Uh, but th those are you know the the main contributing factors I believe to a healthy lifestyle. Um, as you know, coming back to those five things that we spoke about, you know, first on, um, but yeah, it, uh, no, absolutely. Richard, you've been absolutely legend today. I want to thank you for your passion and bringing this information to people. I hope lots of people listen to this. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll make a podcast episode out of it as well. I'm pushing the limits, I think, because this was just too big not to, and it was so fantastic. Um, Richard, thank you very much for your time today. Um, any last words before we wrap it up and let everyone get on with the day? Um, you know, as I say, look, it's ju just those five rules. Um, or, or t t I tell you, what, let's just take away two rules: C cut your grains and, and drop your seed oils, um, and you know, c consume more. There we are. We will go for three. Consume more natural proteins, more animal based. <laughs> um, I, I'm not. Um, I'm not telling people to to live, a, you know, a strict ketogenic lifestyle. Um, I just want people to be fit and healthy. I want people to understand. Uh, if you know you, you'd like more information, um, there's lots of information on 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 your website uh, and mine, uh, theketopro.com. Um, I post daily on Instagram under keto underscore pro, um, and we're on Facebook. I've recently started a Facebook community. Um, mm -hmm. It's just called Keto. Uh, maybe we can put a link in the bottom yep. for people yep. to join send me, send me the link and Perfect. we'll put all the links to the products too and uh to your story and to your website as well rich i think yeah uh, that would be really beneficial oh um thank you so much for your time today richard absolutely wonderful anytime pleasure as always doesn't take much to get me uh <laughs> to go off on one as you see <laughs> off on a tangent